Thank you. Thank you. I don't know, keep on giving For your kindness I'm in debt to you Welcome to Friars and Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan and with me is Roy. You have about to you've got to be one proud papa right now. Dude, I'm not a dad, I'm not even a dad and it, it, I feel like a dad. <laughs> I feel you have, like a- you you gave birth to this idea and it's grown over a couple of years and this has been the most successful fundraiser yet. I, I, I can't I, I can't believe it. Like I, I'm truly out of words. And, you know, I got home. So I came home from work and over the, well, over the weekend, the, the gum came in. So we have thirteen hundred pieces of gum of double bubble. Uh, it's the only true gum that should be uh, chewed on a baseball field. Um, there's thirteen hundred pieces. That's about three large buckets, you know, and then like a, a smaller bucket of 165 and three buckets of 385 or 380 or something. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's kind of a lot of a gum. And then I'm like, I asked Lydia, like, hey, when is the, you know, when are the sunflower seeds coming and in? And then the seeds showed and up. Then I, you know, yesterday was a holiday. I came in, come home from work today, and there's two stacks to the roof of boxes. I'm like, I guess that's the seeds. Yeah, and you sent me the picture. So there's, there's eight of these tubs yeah and they're like they're like five gallon paint tubs yeah. full of sunflower seeds full and you're right seeds. they pretty much take up your entire wall yeah and i, I just i'm like holy cow and I, I asked her to order seven she ordered eight and so there's 400 bags of sunflower seeds that are going up to lake elsinore and 1300 pieces of gum um we were able to give 300 to adopt a minor leaguer for the july 28th Chipotle gift card giveaway. That'll be the end of July. And with the money left over, I'm cutting Terrence uh, Tucker a check. The, 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 uh, you know, the clubhouse manager to like, here's 185 bucks. Buy something with it for the team. Do whatever it is. If it's, you know, I was at the game the other day, they didn't have to stick them or didn't have any, uh, you know, any tiger, any stuff for the uh, for the bats and oh, the rosin stick or whatever they use. Yeah, yeah. Like we use a stick and my games, we use a little stick like whatever. I heard. And it's, you know, these days, 185 bucks is, is nothing, but it's something uh, almost raised nine hundred dollars. And actually, a hundred of that came from the uh, 2019, 2020 Ryan Weathers Weathers Report shirts. Really? That was in like when I went to do this at uh, the very beginning, I'm like, oh, shoot, there's still a hundred, like hundred six bucks in there. But I oh, totally okay. forgot because we, nice. we got we had that all set up with Ryan and then COVID happened. And then that was it. Boom. Right. Like sales went, you know, I mean, obviously it was just it died. Yeah, and it I died kept, before I, it really had a chance to start that, that year. Right. And so thank you, Ryan Weathers. I, I might shoot him a text and say, hey, a little bit of what you did. Um, I shot Mackenzie Gore text like, hey, um, we're doing this just to do more for the guys, you know, at Lake Elsinore. Didn't get nothing back, but I let him know. Yeah. Um, and thank you guys. And I wanted to say this at the very top. Like I, I like I said, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude and incredibly humbled with what the community, you know, the listening community, the families, the friends of of not only, um, you know, James and Jackson, but I'm sure, you know, friends of theirs and, and family of players that are, you know, in the system that their parents listen to the podcast or just a bunch of people on Twitter that I've never met. They're like, yeah, dude, I always buy your gear because I know it's going to the ballplayers. That's, that's and, so awesome. 
And I'm like, I, I just, you know, Libby's like, are you getting verklempt? I'm like, here's a topic. <laughs> internal <laughs> combustion is neither internal or combustion. Discuss. Yeah. Um, so before we were, before we hit record, I, we were talking about Terrence and I know he has a soft spot in his heart for the guys on the team that don't have the same uh, means as some of the other players. You, uh, like I'm sure James Wood and Jackson Merrill, they've got a bat deal. They've got right. a hookup for gloves and batting gloves, and whatever gear they want. They've got it. But you've got guys that come from very meager upbringings that don't have that kind of support. And so that left over 180 bucks, I'd like to think some of that might go to help out some of those guys that maybe yeah. maybe they've been using the same pair of for the last two or three years right. and they, they could use a new pair of kicks or or something simple like that uh, just something that we kind of take for granted and you assume that yeah. these guys are pros so they get everything handed to them and that's you know a lot of times the bats like when there's a broken bat they have to buy a new bat and sometimes the club has some way to kind of work an, around the, you know, that they turn the broken back in and they can, they have a hookup, uh, right. but they have to come out of their own pocket. And so you hear stories about guys going to Dick's Sporting Goods to the twenty nine ninety nine uh, MLB Ash Bat because that's the only one they can afford. Yeah. And that's what they're going to use in the next game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't even use that in your adult baseball league yeah. game, no, right? No, I have I, I one of those bats in the garage. I don't know if we're going to use it again. I'm going to give it to you. I'm sure it's going to be a batting practice bat. <laughs> right. And uh, it's just thanks, man. I, I, I really thanks. And um, we love doing this. I, I We both love getting the word out. We love doing the, the, the work. Thank you so much. Real quick for um, Friars Till We Die. Um, he was the one who took the picture and, and created the artwork that weren't on the shirts. Uh, I'm going to tweet that picture out later on. And and just give the dues to the people. And, you know, I, I, I DM'd and we'll get on with the show here in a minute. But I DM the parents. Um, uh, James is in, you know, Jackson's mom. And I'm like, you, you know, saying you're proud or, you know, having pride in your children is like just seems so hollow to say something like that. But like showing these guys what a little thing from some silly ass podcast that barely gets 200 listens a month, um, you know, can do with just an image, you know, and, and imagine if, you know, it, you know, with those guys, with the power of who they are, what they can do for the communities in their communities back home, in the communities, in the cities that they play in, uh, in the community that they're in, the baseball, the, the team themselves, the absolute, the community, their, their colleagues, like no one's going to buy, you know, a, 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 you know, and I want to say lesser known name, but you know, no one's going it, to, it's just the power of who they are did this and, uh, it's a small, it's a small token in a very broad world, but I think it's a, a good message to say, "Hey, look, you can make a difference." It is, it is, and I just want to point out, we don't make a penny no. doing this. Nope. We have no interest nope. in making a penny doing this. We pay for our whatever uh, Spotify membership or yep. whatever it is, pay SoundCloud or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah, I pay and for the artwork. It isn't something and- that we have. Yeah, it's a hobby. It's a yeah. hobby and it's fun for us, but it's neat that we get to do something like this every once in a while and actually help somebody out. Yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, uh, so speaking about helping your community, let's move on with the show. 
So the next item we've got on here, Burl Yarborough, who is the general manager of the San Antonio Missions. Uh, we talked to him before the season. Uh, his Twitter handle is at Burley Sam. Um, he said, last night was the most important night of my career with Missions MILB. I'm so proud of our front office, coaches, players, and fans for making the night so special. We're proud to announce that our jersey auction raised $50,397 for the Rob School Memorial Fund. Hashtag Uvalde Strong. Now, Burl Yarbrough has been in minor league baseball for what, Decades. 30, 40 years? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he has a long, long, very successful career in minor league baseball. And so to say that this particular night is the most important night, something that brings him that much pride after winning championships and seeing guys go to majors and all the other stuff he's got to do, that's that says a lot to me. Absolutely. And the jerseys were cool, dude. I, I love the jerseys and the game itself, which we'll talk about later on in the affiliate rundown was way cool. It was a walk-off win. They had a giant Uvalde strong flag. They had the jerseys on. It was just, it was a magical night. And, and the email that came out was like, it was a magical night uh, was the headline. And what a way to, um, you know, what a way for the team to come together for the community, the community to come together for another community and, you know, some people get some really cool merch, really cool yeah. merch. Yeah. I mean, the, the merch is, is a nice kind of a side note, but I have a, I mean, people don't dish out that kind of money just because they want a cool Jersey. Right. They do that because they know that it's going to a really, really good cause. Yeah. Um, you know, and while we're on the topic and I don't have this on our list, then a Negro, a Negro league night. Um, and I don't remember what the name of the team was, but they're wearing a, the jerseys from the sweet. Negro league team that played in San Antonio many years ago. Um, and a similar thing, they're going to do a, a Jersey auction afterwards. Those were really sweet. I actually tweeted at them um, at the mission. I'm like sweet throwback jerseys. I didn't, I had a feeling it was something like that because other teams have been doing that. But I didn't see anything on Twitter. I didn't see any announcement on that. I don't think I even got a, it was even put in the email, but those were tight. The like English SA, the English, and then the, uh, the number on the side, they were tight. They're the, uh, the black Broncos was the name of the team. Um, and the timing of it is because of Juneteenth. They're doing it in observance of Juneteenth. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's something that wasn't really spoken about when I was growing up. We never really, I never right. heard about it until the last five or 10 years. And, and now to see it as a federally recognized um, holiday, uh, I don't know if holiday is even the right word for it. Um, Observance. But it's, it's yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's not just celebrating one particular day when an event happened. It's observing, it's, it's paying some respect to, you know, the hundreds of years of, of history and, and injust that has led up to that and the struggles that have continued on, you know, since then. Um, but it's kind of a reminder that progress is being made. Positive change yeah. is happening. So absolutely. once again, uh, kudos to San Antonio for, uh, for going a step beyond and, 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 you know, doing something cool with it. And I, I always love the ties to the Negro leagues or like what Fort Wayne has done with the SDA, the, the girls baseball league, yeah. um, you know, with the Fort Wayne Daisy. I just, I love the connections to history and mm -hmm. taking a sidestep from, from, you know, it's not just missions history. It's right. the, the history of the city of the region of the culture. Yeah, absolutely. Of America. Yeah. Wow, some, okay. some real okay, so. good stuff, man. It's a feel good, you know, it's a thank you, thank you podcast today. 
Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So moving on. Um, I found it. There was an interesting article in uh, MLB.com by Anthony Castrovince, how the pitch clock can revive the stolen base. And I hadn't really thought about this angle. Um, you know, I kind of thought of the pitch clock about only working to shorten the games. Right. Um, but the, the notion that it can help uh, improve the chances of stolen bases is an interesting angle. Um, and there's a, there's a Padres organization tie. So he writes, the store was tied. The score was tied in the second inning of a single a game between the Lake Elsinore storm and the Visalia rawhide last month. And Max Ferguson had just run, just drawn a one out walk. We all know what Max Ferguson's going to do once he gets on base. So Ferguson, a Lake Elsinore infielder who was leading all of minor league baseball and stolen bases, took his customary lead off first base daring to swipe yet another back. Visalia pitcher, Adrian Del Moral did what pitchers for generations have done when a speedster like Ferguson drifts away from first. The right-handed Del Moral tried to keep the fleet-footed Ferguson honest with a pickoff attempt, and Ferguson slid back safely. Then, in a decision only notable now because of a wrinkle recently added to the rule book, Del Moral tried to pick off Ferguson again. Big mistake. This was Del Moral's second of two permitted pickoff attempts during that particular plate appearance. The limit put in place at full season minor league levels this season in conjunction with the pitch clock. Quote, I don't think the, the Visalia coaching staff was very pleased, Ferguson said later with a laugh that he tried the pickoff move a second time. When Del Morrell failed to nab Ferguson the second time, he set off a sequence of unfortunate events for Visalia. Ferguson swiped second on the next pitch. And because the pickoff limitation lasts for the entirety of the plate appearance, yeah. Ferguson felt comfortable taking another big lead at second. Del Morrell stepped off the rubber a third time and per the rule was charged with a balk. Ferguson automatically advanced to third base, then scored a sacrifice fly. Lake Elsinore took the lead in an eventual win without so much as a base hit. And the pitch clock oriented rules had earned the assist. So I, I it's it's a it's a fun story to tell. It's an interesting yeah. <laughs> story and like the nuances in the rules. And I and I love that Ferguson has the awareness to pay attention to that and to know yeah. when when he has the advantage like that. I feel like something needs to be adjusted to the rules for that. Like once the pitcher throws over to first a second time, then the runner can just run wild and there's nothing the pitcher can do about it. So now, now you've got that. Now he's on third base. What's to keep him from stealing home, getting halfway down the bag because he knows the the pitcher can't throw to to third. He's got to come home with it. So take a big lead all the way halfway down the line. As soon as he moves, you're gone and you can practically walk in from there. Yeah, all, all, a lot of these rules are not going to, they're going to get adjustments. You know, the time clock's going to get adjustments. This is certainly going to be looked at and get adjustments. I'm not sure if this idea kind of makes it to the major leagues without either a significant tweaking or even at all, if it makes sense. Because, may, I mean, it's so important that, you know, base stealing is a big part of the major league game. And sure, we hate it when a guy throws over five times, but you know what? That six time is when he might get caught. And, yeah, they're just that's why they're doing these now. Like in the minor leagues, where they can try them out, kind of figure out what works, what doesn't work. I think really the time clock and the shift that I I've read recently that aren't coming next year that they may push back to twenty four, um, are going to probably eventually come up. But they're going to need some tweaking. They're going to have to you know go through the union and they're going to have to be okay with it. So um, really interesting. I think it's fun that they. You know, it's like he Ferguson leads is well, he's not leading anymore. And it was probably written well before Stewie Ruiz went on an absolute thieving, <laughs> just stealing a ton of bases. Um, a crime spree, 
Good. That's what I wanted to say. Crying spirit. Thank <laughs> you. But yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but that's, well, that's one thing I don't like about the rule is that they count stepping off the rubber as a pickoff attempt. And so even when you got a guy on second base, okay, you got your runner on second. And I don't think they're using pitch com in the minors, at least not in single a. So they've got, they have to go to the, to the advanced signs where they've got the code and now they're trying to speak code and they're trying to get on the same page. And so now oftentimes the pitcher will just have to step off the rubber and they'll do the little hand signal, like, okay, run through the signs again. Um, right. Right. That happens a lot. And you're, when he does that, he's not necessarily doing anything to limit the runner. I guess they're also trying to penalize that activity a little bit. They're trying to just keep the pace moving. Yeah. I, I, I don't like that part of the rule. I'd like yeah. to see that part done away with. Um, and maybe as soon as the runner steals a base, then the count is reset. I don't know. Yeah. Like I also know the rule that I don't think the enforcers, it's not necessarily a rule. It's an old rule of when we, when you run the first base, you have to turn to the right. Uh, you have to turn to the right. And I, I've seen guys, you know, run through the base and then stop and then come back, but come back in fair and get tagged out. And we're like, well, no, I wasn't. I was just coming back to the bag. Um, so I, I just, you know, there's just rules that are just going to have to be looked at. I don't know that that rule has been around for a long time. It, they, it they, they've been. been pretty consistent on enforcing it. You'll hear that in a major league game. Like somebody will, their shoulders will turn the wrong right. way. And it's like, oh, he might have exposed himself. You know, you that make was intent. Any, any kind of a move toward fair territory and you're now a live runner again. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if they really, you know, in the end, if they do add this, um, the pitch clock rule, I think has shown it'll have to be tweaked because, you know, I, I think there's more at stake when it comes to a major league game, but the pitch clock and the batter clock is all going to come to the major leagues in the next few years or so. I think it will shorten the game. I love baseball, but three and a half hours and, you know, like 45 minute innings that, you know, take forever. And there's only maybe three runs scored and say, come on, man. Um, we'll speed along the game and also bring in those young short attention span. Gen Zers. What are they called now? What, what, Gen, what's Gen Z. Yeah. You know, <laughs> all of us with a short attention span, right. Uh, you know, to kind of bring those fans into the fold. Um, um, so since we're on the topic of rules, did you happen to see Brandon Crawford's little incident the other day? Yeah. So he Brandon smashed. Crawford, shortstop for the for the Giants, Giants, just trucked the second baseman. I mean, he didn't he didn't blow him up, but there was absolutely no slide attempt. And he kind of put his hip into the guy and knocked him off balance, breaking up a double play. And so I saw that retweeted and somebody said, well, what if Manny Machado did this? Then everybody'd be up and oh, he would be strung up. He'd be fine. He'd be it would be bad. But the thing that I like seeing out of it was that the umpire recognized that it was a violation of the slide rule. So he, he called, I mean, Crawford him was out. dead to rights, right? He called him out and then he pointed to first base and he said, yeah. the batter runner is out as well. So proper uh, enforcement of the slide rule. Um, that may, I, I, I like that. You know, yeah, I, I, I pay attention to the umpires. My dad was an umpire. And so I, they're the third team on the field. I know everybody likes to boom, but you know, it's, it's a really hard job. So I like seeing when they do their job, right. Yeah, my brother, uh, he umps uh, college and high school uh, softball and baseball in Tennessee. And whenever, oh. there's a, whenever there's an ump show or there's some kind of something like that, comes on, he didn't get to, back to me on that. But if there's something kind of big comes through him, uh, you know, his his uh, time feed or whatever. Um, he'll mention me like, oh, missed one there. Or he'll he'll always let me know. And I have do. you watched much of the college world series, either a softball little, or baseball? Just a little bit. I want to watch more of the softball than the baseball. 
because the chicks are just, I think they're better ball players. I mean, they're oh just, Oh my gosh, that insane. is it's such a fast game. Yeah. And, and the umpires make their calls so fast it, yeah. with the, with baseball. It always seems like there's a beat between when the, the pitch comes in strike and with the softball, it's just, it's instantaneous. Yeah. And, and the, all the action around softball is so fast. It's such a yeah. fun game to watch. Yeah. Well, and you saw the tweet the other day from the umpire, right? The 97 mile an hour two seamer. Uh, there was two cuts. That was a 90, 97 mile an hour fastball and like 93 mile an hour cutter. Oh, from the camera. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In my league, in my league I, I'll, you know, there's a, in, my, in my career playing rec ball, I have seen maybe, maybe 75, maybe I've seen 80, and that's absolute. I couldn't imagine 97. Oh, like, man. It is, it is on you. Right. And we're, we're used to seeing, you know, maybe you'll see the angle from the camera behind yeah. the net, but it's yeah. a whole other thing when the umpires wearing the camera on his helmet and you see it right there. Somebody said, it looks like they're swinging at a bullet and yeah. that's about right. It looks just, it looks signed <laughs> like they're throwing, like it's a Tic Tac flying in. Yeah. And it was like, people think that baseball is easy. You know, it's, it's incredibly hard. It doesn't even matter how good you are at the sport. It's still incredibly difficult, but let's move on. We got lots of podcasts to go podcasting about. Okay, so take us to Bill Shiken. So here's so the Department of Justice has asked the federal court to limit the scope of baseball's antitrust exemption. This is is huge. It's a step. And I think this is going to be a very small process, a very slow process. Excuse me. Um, This is Bill Shanken from the L.A. Times uh, wrote on this. And I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. So I've read it several times and I didn't quite get what I think they're trying to get to. Um, but I'm going to read this and hopefully you guys understand a little bit better than my dim bulb of mind has. The, the Department of Justice on Wednesday formally asked the federal court to limit the scope of baseball's antitrust exemption. The latest challenge to a century-old Supreme Court decision cherished by major league owners but increasingly criticized beyond the commissioner's office, the Justice Department weighed in Wednesday on behalf of three former minor league teams suing Major League Baseball for violation of antitrust law. The three teams were among the 43 eliminated by MLB in its consolation, consolidation of the minor leagues. Without the exemption, without the exemption, for instance, the Oakland Athletics and Tampa Bay Rays could decide whether they move rather than the league control in the process. Without the exemption, supporters of minor leaguers have argued minor league salaries could increase as teams compete for players. Harry Marino, executive director of Advocates for Minor Leaguers, called the statement momentous. Quote, this means the United States government sees no substantive reason why Major League Baseball teams should be permitted to collude and pay minor league players poverty wages as they have for decades. Huge. So this is the Department of Justice uh, making this action. Um, And so the Department of Justice, I I may be wrong here, but I believe they are part of the executive branch, um, you know, reporting to the cabinet. Uh, which is separate from the legislative branch. And right. my understanding is that it's the it's Congress, the you know, the representatives and the senators, they're the ones that have that put this in place many years ago, what back in the 70s, I think. Um, and so they would be the ones that would have to write the legislation and push it through to get a change actually put change. into place. But the fact that anybody on the federal level is is having this conversation is momentous, as he said. So I, I don't know what kind of change it's going to lead to, but at least it's a chink in the armor. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the control that Major League Baseball has over baseball itself 
has you know really has expanded with the contraction. Now they have. I was watching the. Uh, I was watching um, some of the prospect leagues, some of the draft leagues, and you can't get into Major League Baseball without having to a you know be drafted by the major by major leagues by playing in one of these draft leagues by uh, like they control baseball. And you know the, what's happening right now with the golf in the and the, the separate golf, the live of, league. Yeah, the live league, and you're the golfer, so you know a little bit more about that. But you know, there's such a, a a monopoly on the sport that there's no room for competition. There's no, and they can do whatever the hell they want, and that's the big thing. They can do whatever the hell they want. Well, and they I, have the money to do it. Golf is a global sport, um, but I, I don't believe the PGA Tour has any kind of an antitrust exemption like this. So if somebody right. wanted to create a competing tour on the u.s soil they could it would be a matter of just breaking the pga tours stranglehold on the best players in the world right so kind of like when when uh what's his name vince mcmahon tried to start the the xfl (laughs) to make a more entertaining league but then it was substandard competition because they couldn't pull those guys yeah and and so that's what you've got if if you want to play in the one the one place where you can be a successful baseball player and be a superstar at least in the united states you have to go through their channels and now that they own the minor leagues and that was the whole big takeover over the uh gosh was that last season that was the season before the 2020 to 2021 off season where they it wasn't just a contraction though it was that the the development agreement between minor league baseball as a separate entity and major league baseball expired and then major league baseball kind of just said okay screw it we're just going to take you over and there's nothing you can do about it yeah and so now they they control everything control the means of production yeah, absolutely. And in with the with the golf, I'm not sure if this is the same thing with, with Major League Baseball, but if I'm on the PGA tour, I don't make any money off my likeness. I I, I make money on endorsements uh that way, but they own like if I tweet a picture of myself or something like that, like you need to have pretty sure you need to have PGA approval. Um, they own all that stuff and they monetize all that stuff. So the money all right. goes to the PGA tour. Yeah, that's something that Phil Mickelson was talking about before this whole live golf thing really became a thing. It was just kind of a whispered rumor in the backgrounds. And he was talking about about the the intellectual rights and who owns the yeah. rights to what. And so, like, he made the putt to win the Masters and he's got that video clip. Well, he can't do anything with it without their permission. But okay. meanwhile, they're out there promoting the heck out of it, selling it to advertisers so that they can put it in their TV commercials and making tons of money off of it. He doesn't get a penny. So I, I, I get that. Um, that's totally different subject. <laughs> totally. Um, whole other podcast, but, whole other episode. Right. But this whole the 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 antitrust exemption is what allows Major League Baseball and now minor league baseball to pay players substandard wages and to have to not have to comply with certain labor laws that everybody else has to. Um, and, and so they've got a stranglehold on an entire industry. Yeah. God, I don't know how we made happy news, sad news, but I know, uh, right. <laughs> I think we just did that. So let's get back to some happy news. Um, Cause of this next article, this next piece, we are not going to have a third. Yeah, let's strike. talk about some actual baseball. Some Dude, actual, we're gonna- yeah. Right, we're gonna do that. But with this, we're not gonna have a third strike for the tin caps because of the, the piece that Tyler Mon here wrote. So uh Tyler Mon MILB's Tyler Mon wrote this article on 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 Robert Gass's just dominate dominating last start. So spurred by an eighth 
eight-run first inning, Fort Wayne's offensive roared in support of a dominant outing by starting pitcher Robert Gasser, who retired 21 straight as the 10-caps rolled Lansing 14-0. While San Diego's number eight prospect Gasser was one of the major headlines, it was Fort Wayne's offense that set the tone. One night earlier, the 10-caps stormed back from a 4-0 deficit. <laughs> God, that's bad. Save a that deficit. for the blooper roll. Gosh, uh, in the ninth to take a 5-4 lead before falling in and walk off fashion in the bottom half. On Sunday, they wanted to make things different. A lot of things that we talked about were just building building on what we did Saturday, making sure that we used all 27 outs. Team cast manager Brian Esposito said, we really felt strongly about what we were going to be able to do today if we came out with that same attack mentality for the first three outs that we're going to get in the ball game instead of waiting until the last three, the first five tin caps reached base with Corey Rozier and baseball's number 30 overall prospect, Robert Hassel, the third kicking things off. When Corey gets on base, good things happen. As Bezito said, he draws a walk, Hassel lines a shot and we go from first to third. And then all of a sudden they see our identity come out. When we get on base, when we get on, when we get on the bases and we're able to run, things happen well for us. In the bottom half, Gasser went, to the mound with a substantial cushion, but also followed a lengthy wait. It was just another thing to put on the checklist for gas because one of the things that has been a part of his development that he's really been working hard at is when things get chipped off of his routine, whether it's a rain delay, whether it's a long inning, things like that, get him off his game. Just a touch. Esposito said, I saw him venture down to the bullpen on the third base side and just started playing some catch a little bit. Yeah, that's an interesting little note there because you know, we talk about all the things that happen with base with developing players in baseball. We talk about a lot of the off the field stuff, but something like this, you know, you're a pitcher. What happens when the offense goes wild, but then you're sitting on your hands for a half an hour? Yeah. How do you keep yourself engaged? How do you keep your body warm? You know, keep yourself activated so you can go back out there and be the same monster, take that same, you know, aggressive, uh, aggressive attitude after yeah. you've prepared this for, for the game. Yeah, and that being a part of your development, the mental side of it, the, the part of being engaged in the game. And happened, I was at the game last night, Darvish. It was a nightmare first inning. Oh my, I've just, it was a nightmare of 30 odd pitches, just horrible. Walked a couple guys, plinked a guy, plinked a couple guys, you know, just a nightmare inning. And he's an ace. This shows you years of being in the league, years of playing, how he came back. And I think the, the next inning was eight pitches. The inning after that was a little bit longer with 19, but the rest didn't, you know, go in the high tens throughout this 108 pitch, uh, seven inning game. You yeah, know, he, he still went seven back. innings after that. He came back making those adjustments in the game are, are huge. And particularly with, with pitchers, you know, with guys that may not, you know, in the bullpen, you may not have your curveball, your best pitch. You need to find a way to get guys out using what you have. Right. Um, and so him sit, talking about going down to the bullpen and playing some catch, yeah. you hear about pitchers going up the tunnel and, and just throwing a little bit to stay loose. Yeah. Yeah. So Gasser walked Drew Swift to open the bottom of the first. It was the only base runner Lansing notched against the lefty. The first inning we navigated through pretty good, Esposito said. We were able to get him back in the dugout and talk to him about collecting his thoughts and get back to taking it one pitch at a time and using whatever pitch he has to gather information and get back on the attack. After that, he was just in the driver's seat. Gasser carved through the lug nuts hitters, retiring the next 21 in a row with eight strikeouts, five days after going five scoreless innings against Lansing in the series opener. 
to be able to turn around. Some people look at it as maybe the hitters have an advantage because they saw you, Esposito said, explained. I think in some cases when they have good stuff like Robert does, the advantage is in his favor because all he has to do is go out, execute his plan, be able to break out his repertoire and command it. And it's going to be in the driver's seat. So the other pit, the other batters, they've got a little bit of a book on him because they saw him once, but he's now watched these guys for however many games until he sees them a second time. So he's got a whole different attack plan on them. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the key word in that sentence back there was gather your information, like see how they're, how their approach is by what they're looking at, what they're not swinging at how they're swinging, what they're, you know, you gather that information. And we hear this about a lot of pitchers, particularly in the minor leagues, because they're learning this and they want to get it out is they look at the guy on the, on the on deck circle. They, they want to see what, what, you know, swings the guy at the plate are checking and maybe they're swinging at they're what, you know, what their idea is. It's a chess match. Yeah. I always like when you see the, the batter returning to the dugout and then he's got some little piece of information to pass back to the guy that's on deck. Always see that. You see little when the guy comes back in. Absolutely. So Gasser finishes day with 88 pitches. Wow. 55 for strikes throughout. His offense was providing the punch. Hassel drove an RBI double to left in the third and single on a grounder to right in the fifth. Even in April, a lot of the conversation we had with him was just putting himself in an optimal position to drive the baseball. Impact the baseball as hard as we can because that's what's going to get to play at the big league level. the manager said for him to get himself into a really good hitting position and look to drive the baseball is something that he has, he's been focusing on the performance ran Hassel's hitting streak to 10 games. So what you were saying, you're talking about you Darvish's outing. Yeah. Uh, and I was listening to, to, well, it's not Bennett Woods right now. It's, it's Stephen Klug Woods and, and whoever, right. he, whoever else he can find to get on the uh, microphone. <laughs> Adam right Klug is their boss. It's like the boss guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he was talking about Darvish's start and how rough that first inning was. Um, but right before they went on, and I remember this, Don Orsillo was talking about how uh, Arizona has by far the worst performance against fastballs among any team in the league. And so you would kind of expect that, okay, that's the book on Arizona. So what are you going to do? You're going to go out there and just beat them up with fastballs. But that first inning, that's not what Darvish did. I mean, there was the occasional cutter, but it was like slider, breaking stuff, breaking stuff, breaking stuff. And I think that's part of why he walked, why he got so many guys you know, on base. But I wonder if that was part of the plan. Not that he was expecting to put guys on base, but right. they're they're expecting like, okay, everybody right. thinks we can't hit a fastball. They're going to try to kill us with fastball. So I'm just going to sit fastball. And then maybe Darvish is okay. Well, then I'm just not going to throw you any fastballs. Yeah, absolutely. I've got 14 other pitches I can throw at you. It's that chess match. It's the it's the beauty of the game. It is. It is. I love it. All right, we have made it to the affiliate rundown. Okay, so Ooh. taking us to the Arizona. The Arizona League. Tuesday, the ACL squad had a no-hitter going in the ninth with two outs. No-hitters are rare in the Arizona League. Okay. Rare. So after a walk in an error, the ACL Dodgers hit a three-run homer to earn the walk-off win. Right-handed pitcher Jarlene Susana dominated his second professional start. The hard-throwing righty mowed through the ACL Dodgers lineup, striking out seven of the 13 batters he faced, allowing just one runner on a hit batter. Through his first seven professional innings, Susana has allowed just one hit and one walk to go with nine strikeouts. Very solid start. Right-handed pitcher Manuel Castro took over for Susana and was arguably just as dominant. After walking the first batter he faced, Castro mowed down 13 in a row before a one-out walk in the ninth. 
After his eighth strikeout, he got a would-be inning-ending grounder to shortstop, but a Victor Acosta error ended, extended the frame. Dodgers designated hitcher, hitter Tiran Lorenzo then ended the no-hitter and the game with a walk-off homer. The 20-year-old righty listed almost a foot shorter than Susana, signed out of <laughs> Guasave, Mexico last year. He appeared in nine games last season with the DSL Padres and pitched to a 1.04 ERA. He hasn't allowed an earned run in 8.2 innings so far this year. We're one-tenth of the way through the ACL season. They play 60 games, and thus far, Eddie Beltre has been the offensive star for the club. Beltre singled in four at-bats and stole two bases. Through five games, Beltre is hitting 375, 375, 563. Uh, outfielders James Wood and Joshua Mears were both in the lineup, but neither found the hit column. I find that uh, that Beltre line interesting. So 375, 375 means he hasn't drawn any walks. Right. Um, and the, the old saying goes, that you can't walk your way off the island. And maybe he nope. thinks you can't walk your way out of the complex either. Nope. And what we should have really said at the very, very, very beginning is James Wood is now in Lake Elsinore. And he's been Yay. there about three days. <laughs> oh, about time. I mean, it's been a while. He's he's had some kind of a wrist injury. We don't yeah. know. You, with minor leaguer guys, you never get a, a detailed explanation of what's going on. Um, so, but he's been on the shelf most of the season and uh, glad to see the big guy back with uh, back out away from the complex. Absolutely. So strike two Thursday, Adrian Luna managed to scatter a half dozen walks as well as three hits to the tune of only one earned run for the win. Complex League Baseball is its own brand of chaos at times, but Luna struck out, uh, stuck it out, <clears throat> worked out of jams, and made a fair, a fairly rare four-inning outing in the desert. The 20-year-old righty from Polimar, Venezuela, went 4-0 with a 4.1 uh, uh, with a 3.19 ERA and 14 appearances. That's three starts for the DSL Padres in 2021. One of the highlights of the night is seeing Riley Yeatman get back on the horse and earn his first professional save. <laughs> Yeatman, an 18-year-old right-handed pitcher from Adelaide, Australia, managed seven outs in his second appearance, allowing one hit, two walks, and keeping things scoreless. Was not the uh, there was not a way it went his first outing, but then again, it's it's complex ball, so these guys are learning on the fly. You know, I just pulled up Twitter and I'm looking at the notifications. James El uh, Lake Elsinore Storm, just two minutes ago, they it says, James Wood, send tweet. And it's a picture of James in uniform ready to go today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Joshua Mears hit his second home run of the ACL as, of his ACL stint as he starts to regain his form. Edwin Rojas also contributed a two-hit night, including a double. Rossman Verdugo entered the game in the fourth as a defensive substitute at second base and hit his first home run since signing with the Padres in January. Hey, congratulations on the first home run. Uh, so I wanted to look this up. I didn't want to speak out of place, but mm -hmm. uh, Manuel Castro that we spoke about in strike one, he has been assigned to storm baseball. Mad Friars just uh, posted that earlier today. Um, so congratulations on him for getting the promotion and uh, getting up to Lake Elsinore. Nice. Uh, so strike three, uh, Ensenada, Mexico native Rosman Verdugo continues to impress. He added a pair of RBIs with the double Saturday and has a 357, 387, 607 slash line in his first 10 games. Joshua Mears struck out three more times and has 12 in his last nine games. Javier Chacon, 19, had another strong outing. The Cuban native leads the team in strikeouts with 18 in 10 and a third innings against three walks. He might be one of the first pitchers to escape the desert to Lake Elsinore. Turns out that wasn't right. It was right. Manuel Castro. Um, so Joshua Mears, there's an interesting little side story going on here that he was sent from Fort Wayne down to the complex. Uh, I don't believe there was any injury related to it. 
I believe he was list. sent on the development list, and now he's he's in the AZL. Um, he, I'm sure there's some assignment that he's working right. on, and it's got to have something to do with the swing and miss and the the high strikeout rate. Um, yeah, the pitch recognition, the, the power. It's almost like somebody can, if you hit enough home runs then you quit caring about all the strikeouts that you're making. Yeah. Um, but the team, I guess they, maybe they wanted to highlight that and bring him back. And you know, people don't have command in, no. in the complex. Yeah. So if you're striking out a ton in the complex, then you got to recalibrate something. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to learn how to be selective, you know, and, and watch for your pitch rather than just swing it anytime you think it's a fastball count. Yeah. I really think for him, it's, it's pitch recognition, um, I talked to John Conniff about it and, you know, it just seems, and with the guy like that, with, with the power, you're always going to get the swing and miss. You're always going to get the strikeouts there. Those are going to be there. They may never go away and probably won't. That's not his game. That's him hitting the baseball and you can't hit the baseball. If you can't see or know what's coming, the spin of the ball, the arc of the pitch, everything that goes to the ball coming to the plate. You can't just hunt the fastball because they will kill you. You will not get far. Um, so that's it. And that takes a long time to learn. You know, remember, he he was kind of drafted kind of out of slot. Not a lot of high-level competition with him. I'm sure he did really well last year uh, in uh, Lake Elsinore. Um, a lot of that's just a lot of fastballs, you know. Um, and just somewhere along the way, he's just kind of lost his way a little bit. It's not uncommon for players to go back to the development league and, you know, development list and kind of pick things up. It's going to make him a better ball player to come in in the future. Uh, so that's certainly not a sign of them giving up. It's more, I think it's more of a sign, like let's get him down there. Let's get him right. And let's get him on his way back. Right. He's barely 21. Yeah. You know, he still has a, a long, bright future ahead of him. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, a little reset recalibration, work on some yeah. stuff. Okay. So moving on to Lake Elsinore strike one on Wednesday, Bodie Rascon had his third consecutive start allowing two runs or less. The storm collected a hit from every single position in the lineup. Shortstop Max Ferguson, who led all the baseball and stolen bases until Ruiz overtook him, joined the 40 stolen base club with two against Modesto. He now has four steals in the last four days. And this is as of last Wednesday. Carlos Luis collected four more uh, RBI to push his season total to 40, double his previous career best. The double was just his 14th extra base hit in 46 games, but his Related power rate is up to 131, his best mark since coming stateside in 2017. Now, I feel like Carlos Luis hasn't had a lot of extended play. Yeah. Um, you know, when he did leave the complex or, you know, even just playing in complex games, he kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, so this is really his first chance to, to be able to play on a pretty consistent basis. Absolutely. And that's going to set the, you know, that's going to set the foundation of what we, they really want him to hit home runs. Like he's got the body, he's got the swing to hit tons of bombs. And that's, what's going to get him to the big leagues. That's what's going to get him to move up. But like you said, that constant consistent play is where you start to develop that and kind of get comfortable at the plate and be able to really focus on the things that the team wants you to do. And he has, been getting a lot of first base. He's, he's the first baseman over there. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so strike, strike two, uh, Thursday, Ruben Galindo, uh, spent five innings of one hit ball for his second win of the season. Galindo made his only his fourth start in 12 appearances for the storm was limited to 59 pitches, but he cruised throwing 37 of them for strikes, only walking one Aaron holiday. The other piece of the Shamanaya trade allowed a pair of base runners in three sterling innings of work. Cole Cummings, who had struggled would slugged 11 of his 31 hits for extra bases, including his sixth homer last night that bounced on top of the wall above the 400-foot sign. Like he smoked this ball. 
and it dead center and it hit boop, right on the yellow line at the fence, right above the 400 and bounced over for a homer. It was great. He's got some sneaky pop because he's yeah. not like he's, he's not a little guy by any means, but he's not a big Hulk stepping up there. He doesn't look like he's swinging. You know, he doesn't have the Gary Sheffield bat speed, the, the, the hands that make you go, wow. Yeah. But then when he connects on one, it's loud and it goes a long way. Yeah, I think it's one of those sneaky guys that came. He came in the uh, the COVID, the COVID draft. So he was out of Santa Barbara. Went uh, was undrafted. One of those undrafted free agent guys because they only had like five rounds in the uh, in the COVID year. Um, so I think we got a real good steal on him. And he looks kind of the same size as uh, Max Ferguson, but I think Cole's got a few more pounds on him than than Max does. Max is a little bit uh, a little thin. So let's see. He- Cole's listed at six foot two. Okay. And I don't know. I feel like Max is a little bit less than that. But anyway, might be six one. Right. There you go. He's six one. But like Carlos Luis <clears throat> looks like a big dude. He's yeah. listed at six foot two. You know, yeah. but it's like just the frame and the way that they carry themselves. Totally different person. Yeah. The chunk that uh, he has that the ham hocks that, that, that backside that's big. Uh, anyway, speaking of Carlos Luis, who had two hits included, including a double. Uh, Luis is slashing a hefty 341, 413, 463, and 41 bats in June. Max Ferguson not only roped a pair of hits and drove in a run, but he also stole his 41st base of the season. So I, you, uh, since we're talking about Carlos Luis, I thought I'd pull his numbers up just to make sure that I was remembering correctly. So in 2018, he played in 45 games in the Arizona Summer League. Uh, 2019, he was in Tri-City, played 35 games, short season ball again. Um, and then in 2021, he played in Lake Elsinore for 40 games. But again, that's 40 games spread out over, I don't know how long their season was in 2021, 140 some games. So now he's already played in 49 games. He's got more at bats this year than he has in any prior year. And we're not even halfway through the season yet. Absolutely. And his slash line, he's already up to 300 on the season. He's batting 300, 370, 433 on the season. Look at him go. He was off to a really slow start too. Yeah. Yep. It's consistency getting you know, consistent at bats is so huge. I really got to stop drinking ice water because it's freezing my mouth and it, <laughs> it's making me sound like it does. Huh. I chew on, I have a bad habit of chewing on ice cubes and I get like that. At some point I start like, I'm not drunk. I've just been chewing on ice cubes. Right. Okay. So strike three on Saturday, Victor Lizarraga and Hazel Quijada combined to hold the team to a pair of runs. Uh, Lizaraga 18 turned in his third straight five inning, two run start. He's having a great season yeah. for an 18 year old yeah. on the season. He has a three and one record with a 3.70 ERA 47 punch outs against 20 walks in 48 and two thirds innings as the second youngest pitcher on the circuit. So I know I, when I listen to the Padres broadcast, when Mudcat is talking about a pitcher, he always relates the, the strikeouts to the innings pitched and he's got just about one strikeout per innings pitched. That's really good. Um, and then a two to one, more than two to one ratio between strikeouts and walks. That's also really good. And the kid's only 18. And he's a San Diego boy. Yes. Uh, Quijada, a 17th round pick in 2018 out of UC Riverside, tossed a career high four shutout innings. The lefty has 36 strikeouts against 20 walks in 29 and third innings in his second tour of the Californian League. Uh, side note, when Angela and I went up to Lancaster to, to see one of the final games at Jethawk Stadium, uh, Quijada pitched and all these guys started cheering for him. Well, it turns out that these were his teammates at UCR that came oh. down to watch him watch him play. Uh, so that was so kind of cool. That was way cool. 
Yeah. Uh, James Wood got on base three times while patrolling center field through 81 plate appearances. Wood has walked seven walked more than he struck out 17 walks, 13 strikeouts in the California league. Justin Farmer stole three more bases and now ranks sixth in the California league with 19 in 22 attempts. He and the rest of the circuit are chasing teammate Max Ferguson, who stole another base to give him 43 <laughs> on the year. He might have more stolen. I want to look this up now. He might have more stolen bases than any team, any other team right, in the California right, league. Right. You know, it, it's funny. We, we've said this before on the, on the, on the, about the, the storm is you, you thought after losing James in, and Jackson, like, okay, there goes the offense. But guys like Carlos Luis pick it up. Justin Farmer picked it up. You know, Max is starting, you know, has always got on base. And Cole Cummings is starting to come around. So they're winning it. They win tonight. I think if they win tonight, they clinch a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and I looked it up, and it's not true. The, the, the last place team in the league in the stolen bases column is Rancho Cucamonga with 52 stolen bases. All right. Uh, so... Max is not outpacing any team, but still pretty dang good. Absolutely. Um, so a couple side notes here. Tin Caps left-handed pitcher Robert Gasser has won the High A Midwest League's Pitcher of the Week Award for June 13th through 19th. Mid uh, Minor League Baseball announced on Monday. Uh, the 2021 second round draft pick made two starts in Fort Wayne series in Lansing. In total, Gasser recorded 12 scoreless innings with 12 strikeouts and just four hits and three walks. Dominant. Dominant. I wonder if the time's got to be coming for him to move up to double A soon. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, we need to come up with, along with Jackson Wolf, with Robert <laughs> Gasser, we got to have a little sound effect like, yeah, like gas, like, like blowing gas, like some kind of flame or something like that. But this thing, he's not a flamethrower, though. He's, he's not one of these guys that's just overpowering people with, <laughs> with, with crazy heat and stuff that just drops off the table. He just he understands how to mess with the batter's eye angle, move in inside, outside, up, down, um, and he's able to land his pitches for strikes and mix it up in a way. So that's where he's an older guy. He was drafted out of college. Yeah. Now he's had a really good first half. You know, I once all these moves, the draft is coming up. It's right around the yeah. corner. And I know that's why we're starting to see some moves. We saw a lot of guys get released. Um, yeah. you know, we saw Ian Kroll and Shogo Akiyama get released. And, you know, that's kind of a start of all of this movement. Now there's going to be even more of that because it used to be these guys would get drafted and they could just go hang out at the complex, maybe go right. see some short season ball. And there's none of that anymore. There's only 180 domestic players, players allowed on the domestic roster for the development. Um, and so now you need to start making room for those guys. Cause after the yeah. draft, they got to go somewhere. Yeah. And they go, they first they'll start at the complex. And then they'll choose what guys, you know, have the innings or the plate appearances that, you know, the guys that they can get into an affiliate, they get them out there. So a handful of those guys that get drafted this year will be an affiliate of ball this year. But let's move on to Fort Wayne. Strike one, Tuesday, Corey Rozier and Robert House for the third. Open the game with back-to-back -back doubles and Jared Dale followed with an RBI single to give the Tin Caps all the runs they needed. Hassel's double extended his hitting streak to five games. Catcher Brandon Venezuela gave the Tin Cap some insurance late with his fifth homer of the year. He is slugging 513 in June. He's really starting to come around. Uh, Left-handed pitcher Robert Gasser turned in his second consecutive solid outing, throwing five scoreless frames to earn his second win of the year. Over his last two starts, Gasser has allowed just one run in 12 innings with two walks and 15 strikeouts. And he was only getting started. And he's only getting started. So on uh, strike two on Thursday, the first five batters recorded singles and four runs scored. The 10 caps added two more in the second. 
Lucas Dunn, who singled and scored in the first, doubled home two runners. Lucas Dunn has not stopped since he went nope. from Lake Elsinore up to Fort Wayne. He just picked up right where he left off and kept on going. In the sixth inning, Kelvin Melian picked up his second hit of the game, and Jared Dale doubled to put two in scoring position. Robert Hassel III walked to load the bases before Dunn drove in a run on a grounded fielder's choice. On the night, eight of the team's nine batters reached base multiple times. Despite three runs in the bottom of the first on the Lazaro Armenteros home run, starter Jackson Wolf. All right. Thank Sorry, you. I was reading Thank along you. with you. <laughs> Made it through seven innings with four <laughs> runs on early on eight hits, one walk and four strikeouts. It was the longest outing of the lefty's pro career as he became just the second cap this season to pitch seven. Ramon Perez tossed a scoreless eighth and Ethan Rutzon making his tin caps debut pitched a scoreless ninth. So Jackson Wolf giving up a three run homer to Lazaro Armenteros. I, when Lazaro Armenteros was being uh, uh, um, courted as a uh, as a amateur, um, you know, a sixteen year old, whatever people yeah. were calling him. What were they calling? Him? They were they were making comparisons to some pretty dang good baseball players. He's one of these okay. freak athlete guys. Speed, power, he just hasn't quite put it together, but that kind of guy is dangerous. So giving up yeah. a home run to him isn't, you know, you kind of just you, you shake you, shrug, you shake it off right. and move on to the next one. Yeah, you, you tip your cap. <clears throat> yep. Um, and then we don't have a, a strike three uh, because Robert Gasser took up it's, a whole bunch of our opening. Yeah, absolutely. So going on to San Antonio, uh, player of the week, Michigan Fielder Domingo Leba was named Texas League Player of the Week after batting 458. That goes on. That's 11 for 24 against Amarillo. He hit two homers, three doubles, and drove in six runs and scored six runs. He joins Connor Halls, Hollis as the only play other as the only other missions player to win a midseason award in 2022. For Leiba, it was his first time he has won a midseason award. So now Domingo Leva, he has some major league service time in yeah. 2019 and 2021. Um, he came up with Arizona and then in 2021, he was traded to Baltimore. Um, so he's kind of a different story when it comes to double a, you don't see a lot of guys with service time playing in double a. Right. We, you know, I don't know why the Padres. Okay. So team. San Antonio strike one. Strike one Wednesday, What's San that? Antonio. Nothing. I think we'll, we'll edit that out. Um, strike one Wednesday, San Antonio scored in each of the first three innings, and it was capped off by a four-run third inning. Connor Kaiser. I just want to say I don't I don't edit that stuff out. Yeah, right. No, it won't be. <laughs> uh, Connor Kaiser and Corey Howell in their first game back off the COVID list. Both went yard. For Howell, he finished the night a triple shy of the cycle. Michel Baez tossed another perfect inning with a strikeout, while he will occasionally miss with control, like many pitchers coming back from injury. Baez a been a big dominating presence on the mound and is another option for the San Diego pen. So yeah, we, we've been saying that every week for, it feels like for all summer, we've been saying that every I mean, summer, it's the first day of summer all season. We've been saying that every week about him. Okay. So strike two on Thursday night, the San Antonio missions took the field wearing Uvalde coyotes, high school baseball jerseys. The night ended with a walk-off in the bottom of the eighth inning when San Antonio tied the game. Um, Tirso Ornelas crushed a 411 foot home run over right field wall to tie the game in the eighth. 
In the ninth, Chandler Siegel started off the inning with a single, was pitch ran for by Ripken Reyes. Reyes advanced to second base on a sacrifice bunt from Connor Hollis. Uh, Fuenmayor intentionally walked Corey Howell to place two runners on base. A Bach moved both runners into scoring position. <laughs> Amarillo loaded the bases after issuing an intentional walk to Domingo Leba. Finally, Yorman Rodriguez ended the game with a sacrifice fly to center field, which allowed Reyes to score the winning run. Boy, that's a lot of small ball right there and some, some minor little- league shenanigans. Exactly. Shenanigans and, and small ball is how you develop. How but that's learn. part of the fun of minor league baseball. <laughs> you, know, you don't, everybody's not super polished. You see, yeah. you see box, you see people boot routine plays. You right. see weird base running stuff. I just, I, I, I love it. It's, it's a little bit more. It's, it's, it, it's not as that's there's always fun. something surprising happening. Right, 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 right. It's not cut and dry like major league baseball. Yeah. Uh, so reliever Tom Cosgrove recorded the win last night after tossing a scoreless ninth inning. The Southpaw is now six and one on the year dating back to last year. Cosgrove is seven and one in his double a career over those 40 games. He has a 2.54 ERA and 66 strikeouts in 49 and two thirds innings pitched. So happy to see Tom Cosgrove yes. having a really good year after you know missing what a season and a half with Tommy John surgery and all the other stuff that's in his in his rearview mirror now yeah. um friend of the podcast you know all around good guy so hope there are uh, bright things ahead for him doing well and, and this is something that we also preach a lot like these guys are going to pop up like not everyone that that makes it to the major leagues not everyone that does well not everyone that moves up is a top 5 draft pick you know there are guys every year that come up that 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 develop that that take a you know that take a hold. Estuary Ruiz is a big example of that. Sure, he was in a trade that we brought him over, and I think um, he'd won, like, won the batting title uh, for the Royals in in like rookie ball or what and whatever. So he had the pedigree to hit, but no one saw forty eight bases stolen from that guy. No one saw all the power, all the doubles that they're seeing right now. It's taking the development and running with it, and you know, and just just getting better. Yeah, that was 2017 that he won the batting title for the uh, the Royals Rookie League. And that's 2017 is a long time ago now. Yeah. Speaking of doing good and getting better, Sunday, Saturday, strike three, Reggie Lawson is leaving behind a tough May and is beginning to put it all together. In June, he cruised through five innings, giving up three hits and one earned run. He's posted a 1.23 ERA and 12 and two-thirds innings while allowing just six hits. His command is not all the way back, he owns a 14 to seven strikeout to walk ratio this month, but is definitely going forward after Tommy John and shoulders issues and shoulder issues up five, one in the seventh Chandler Siegel put the game out of reach with a grand salami. Woo, 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 woo. Nice. Uh, his first career grand slam of his career, uh, first career in his career. Thank you. It's hard to find a better defensive catcher than Siegel. So holding his own offensively makes him someone to watch like that's, Everyone says it. We say it every week. If he continues to hit, at least at a, at at a minimal level, you know he will move up, and he has room on a major league roster. Moving on to El Paso on strike one uh, Wednesday, Estuary Ruiz uh, in eight games with El Paso, he's put together a seven game hitting streak and four straight multi hit games. On this night, he stole three bases and hit a home run. Speaking of homers, Brent Rooker hit two, including a 477-foot absolute blast that went over the batter's eye and left the stadium. Did you see the clip of that? I watched the game. I was watching the game when he hit it. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. So The camera doesn't even go out that far. They just, they, they, you know, they, they go, they reach it out. And then it's into the darkness because it's just out into the gloaming. Yeah. So that's, I mean, El Paso is a pretty big park. 
And so you got the batter's eye and behind it, there's a little bit of a walkway and then you've got the fence out to the street. Um, and so something that clears all of that is a freaking tattoo of a shot. Yeah. I seen Ty France do that once. I think, you know, I think he actually did that in Las Vegas. Yeah. And there are guys that can put it out there, but I, Rooker has legit power. I'm surprised that we haven't, he got called up twice. Right. And and never sniff the batter's box. I'm surprised they didn't at least give him a, a token at bat. You know, just at least let him get his foot on the dirt. Right. Give him some, give him the A B. Give him the cup of coffee. Give him a sip. I, I want to say one of those games was a was a, a it wasn't a close game. Yeah, you, know, you had the opportunity to give somebody a pinch hit job, you know, late in the game. Eh, anyway, he'll get his chance. So strike two Friday saw the resumption of the Thursday game that was postponed due to lightning. I think Thor was in town to catch Estuary Ruiz and Abrams, but you know, oh. uh, <laughs> highlights from that game where Estuary Ruiz went three for four with a walk, reaching base four times for the second consecutive game. Chihuahua second baseman Eggy Rosario went two for four with a solo home run, his third game with a, with a homer. First baseman Michael Cantu pitched the ninth inning and became the first Chihuahua's position player to pitch since Webster Rebus on April 8th at Round Rock. Well, it says first baseman, but we all know Michael Cantu is a, a, a catcher. He's a catcher, but they want to get him in the lineup. So he's been playing a lot of first base. I saw him play first base in um, in spring training. Uh, he was practicing with the guys, but also, you know, Henry Henry was taking ground balls at short. So <laughs> oh, I wish I could have seen that. Oh, dude, it was great. It was great. He took a few and I took a bunch of pictures. I think I posted him on Instagram or whatever. I bet he um, looked pretty good at shortstop. Yeah, he did look pretty good. I mean, it was he, and the form was a little bit off. But, you know, I mean, he it's anyway, rusty. It, yeah, it was fun. Uh, the Chihuahua scored five runs in the bottom of the sixth and seventh innings. Uh, Kyle Martin hit an inside the park home run in the bottom of the sixth. El Paso's first inside the park home run of 2022 and in the sixth in team history. One inning later, Martin hit a grand slam to right field. The Chihuahua's third grand slam of 2022. Eggy Rosario is the is carrying a five-game hitting streak. After struggling in the first two months of the season, Rosario was pounding the PCL in June. In 15 games this month, the 22-year-old is batting 297, 366, and 688 with six homers, five doubles, and a triple. So the Kyle Martin uh, inside the park home run. Did you see it? No, I what? Well, yeah, I, I did. Yeah. It so it was one fence. of those where it, it goes off the bark yard. It takes a funny bounce off the bricks. Fine. The, the center fielder coming in after it just kind of started jogging after the ball. I'm, I'm sitting there watching it going, why isn't this guy running a little bit, <laughs> a little bit harder? He's hardly even going after it. So I, Kyle Martin got to take his time rounded the bases. Right. right. Uh, but since joining the, uh, the organization, he's batting 296 with a 345 on base and slugging 778. So, so far it's looking like a pretty good signing. Absolutely. And Eggie was right, right when, before even Machado got off the field, I'm like, Eggie needs a shot. I texted you. I texted Kevin Charity. I, I, yeah. like, he needs a shot. I know everyone. I know the organization. It's about Abrams, but you have you, you know you if it's a trade piece, if it's a look at the major league level uh, to see where he's at. I mean, I think Eggie Bazaar really, really deserves a shot. Well, in this so does, case, so does so does Parker or so does Franklin? Matt Batten. Matt Batten. And oh, Copper and Franklin. These barking well. dogs behind me that won't shut up. It's all right. Uh, in this case, it kind of makes sense since with Machado hitting the shelf, we don't know how long he's not even on the injured list. He went right. strolling through the clubhouse yesterday. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I love that move. Uh, but they knew that, that calling Abrams up, he was going to be playing every single day. 
So that was the the gripe when he was up is he's not getting every day playing time. He's getting occasional at bats. How can you get any groove? Then he goes to PCL, finally hits his groove and he's been on it. So if it was a matter of um, like Sergio Alcantara's role where it's going to be the bench guy that occasionally gets a chance to play, maybe that's where Aggie would have gotten the call. Um, I, I wish that we would have had Aggie up this whole time instead of yeah. claiming Alcantara off waivers, but I'm sure Absolutely. they had the reasons for that. Um, but anyway, it, Abrams, it, it makes sense. If you need somebody to play every day, you need to keep the offense moving. Um, you know, he's seen major league pitching. Yeah, yeah it, it makes sense. All right. So anyway, yeah. on Saturday, oh, you were going to say? Well, just, just to follow that up, it's like the, the two balls that I hit last night with the dry air in El Paso, both of those balls probably would have went out. Yeah, and so that's something to keep in mind when you're seeing these highlights from El Paso is you kind of have to moderate what you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, if 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 it's just a wall scraper, then you know it's a can of corn. Yeah. yeah it's got to be a moonshot to 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 be out cuz you hear like what Trent Grisham or the, you know the major league players were saying earlier that you know they can get they they can square one up and in the past, it was a, a homer, no problem. And now they got to get their back leg into it to get that extra little bit on it. Okay, so taking it home. Um, strike three on Saturday, Eggie Rosario has been heating up. His three-hit night extended his hitting streak to six games and pushed his line for June to 324, 387, 721 with 14 extra base hits in 16 games. He's mainly played second base, but has also seen significant time at shortstop and third base. He was off to a really rough start. So, you know, maybe he's finally made the adjustments he needs to make to to hit his stride. Uh, With MLB capping MLB pitching staffs at 13 after today, this is as of Saturday, infielder outfielder is Matthew Batten, who didn't miss a beat after his time on the COVID list. He has a slash line of 326, 380, 457 for the month and can play any infield or outfield position. One significant advantage Rosario has over Batten is that Rosario is already on the 40-man roster. So I think that's part of what... So when Abrams got called up, it was uh, Reese Kinnear that got optioned down. And so that's because of that rule right there. They went from 14 pitchers to 13 pitchers. Um, And then finally, uh, Britt Rooker, who had a pair of doubles Saturday, has been and has been up to the big leagues already, is also having a good month at 308, 440, 615. Nice. Uh, before we go on, I want to th- just thank again, John Conniff and all the guys at Mad Friars uh, and all the affiliates that that provide us with this information. I, I get some of it. Most of it's coming from Mad Friars. Um, and occasionally I do a bit. <laughs> I try to keep the sentences clean, but trying to tighten it up where it's a little bit more tighter and we we don't go over time. But um, thank you guys at Mad Friars. It really five bucks a month is all it costs to, to get not only just the dailies and, and you keep up with all these players that we're talking to you guys about, but also the extensive content that you see tweeted out. That's for subscribers only the interviews with players, the interviews with coaches, all the fun stuff. And we, I keep a lot of that stuff out of those interviews because I want you guys to, to go get it and read the whole interview. We just kind of take some of the cute fun parts out of the, uh, or put it, those into the interview. So thanks again to mad fires and thanks again for all the affiliates that, Allowing to be on the emails for the uh, for the dailies from those guys, um, and one more time, thank you again for the whole community that has purchased the Damage Duo uh, stuff and allowed us to uh, to bring up a hell of a lot of sunflower seeds. Uh, do some dental work is coming, you know, <laughs> uh, and the gum. So I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and and the Chipotle gift cards and a little bit of a little bit extra to go to, to Terrence Tucker to help some guys out that probably could use a little extra here and there. Um, you know, so thank you to everybody. This has been fantastic. Way more than I ever expected. God, huge, huge. Uh, so you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Watch minor league baseball. Yes. La 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 la